Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, December 15th. California regulators are considering new solar power rules. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. The Federal Reserve raised interest rates by half a point yesterday. CalCo's credit union CEO, Matt Fico, says that even before the latest increase, consumers were faced with huge increases in payments for new homes and cars. We see consumers trying to extend their car loans out to beyond 72 months, 84 months, in some cases 96 months or even over 100 months. So those are significant you know, t- terms to pay an auto loan. Yesterday's rate hike was the seventh since March, but was a smaller increase in previous rate hikes. California's task force studying reparations for Black residents is meeting again today to discuss potential eligibility requirements and what form reparations could take. The group will also talk about how the state could address its impact on Black families whose ancestors had their property seized. Camila Moore is the chair of the task force. She said this week's meetings are at a pivotal point. This is the beginning of the development stage where now the task force will begin to determine what those final recommendations might look like. The task force has until July 1st to release the final report to the legislature. This week, the city of San Diego banned wood bonfires on city beaches unless the fires are inside designated city rings. City officials said the new policy will help reduce injuries from burning wood underneath the sand. The ban will take effect 30 days after the San Diego City Council approves it a second time next month. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. The uncertainty clouding California's solar marketplace could be settled this week as regulators consider a proposal that changes the rules for electricity generated by rooftop solar. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says the California Public Utilities Commission is considering a plan that slashes the solar subsidy. When KPBS talked to Ricardo Castillo a year ago, he was just as excited about showing off his garden as his solar system. City Heights, City Heights Courtyard Cottage. Come on, Max, come on. Got my tangerines, got my avocados going here. His rooftop solar panels and a new efficient heating and cooling unit have slashed his utility bills. But new solar customers are facing a different reality if regulators approve proposed changes to California's solar rules. We think rooftop solar is very important. Our concern was how you fund it. Matt Baker is the director of the Public Advocates Office at the California Public Utilities Commission. He says the proposed net energy metering rules, NEM is the shorthand, don't include investor-owned utility calls for mandatory steep grid connection fees. But the plan does slash the value of electricity produced on rooftops, And that means it'll take longer to recover the thousands of dollars homeowners spent to install the solar panels. California's eye-watering rates are, you know, the other part of the equation that deals with payback. And if you live in San Diego, you know, you have the highest rates in California. 
you, I believe, have second, first, third, you know, depending on the, you know, measurement, highest rates in the country. And 10 to 20 percent of that high rate is just the NEM subsidy to existing customers. The Public Advocate Office's rate specialist says existing solar owners get a rate benefit that can earn them up to six times the value of their initial investment. Mike Campbell says that's too much and the proposed rules are much more sustainable. If the question is, is it less generous than what there is? Yes. Is the amount of generosity we have currently reasonable? No. A move to steeper peak electricity rates between 4 and 9 p.m. is designed to create an incentive to install batteries. That would give residents the ability to store electricity during the day and use it during peak pricing hours. Campbell and Baker say they would rather see solar subsidies that give credits for installation like the federal government does. But they're stuck with paying for those subsidies inside already high electricity rates. The proposed changes don't sit well with solar backers. Advocates have worked hard for over a year to keep existing incentives, so the state can double the number of solar households to 3 million by 2030. Karina Gonzalez of Hammond Climate Solutions says advocates are optimistic the California Public Utilities Commission can still make changes. We've managed to build a statewide and local coalition of cities, elected officials, nonprofits, churches, schools, um, climate justice organizations, and we've been able to successfully advocate for changes in previous proposals. The new plan doesn't include a $600 million equity fund that was in last year's rejected proposal. That was a subsidy designed to bring solar to low-income households and communities of color. Community advocate Eddie Price rejects utility-backed arguments that the current solar subsidy falls unfairly on the bills of residents without solar. Price says solar takes power out of the hands of the few and puts it into the hands of many. In order to address equity, you have to intentionally address inequity. And rooftop solar is a way to do that. You, you allow us to participate in our own um, life here, right, as well as helping the planet and helping the grid, but they're trying to take all that away. The California Air Resources Board says the state needs to quadruple the amount of solar-generated electricity by 2045 to help hit the state's carbon neutrality goals. The state's move to cut the solar subsidy by 75 percent is widely expected to slow solar installations. Wally Arita works for a solar installation company in San Diego, and he says that'll hurt an industry that employs more than 68,000 workers. This is very inconsistent with what they're trying to do, because by putting in this new mandate, they're basically trying to cut the number of residential solar installs, and that is not good for the industry at all. It's not good for the industry, it's not good for the homeowners. Regulators will discuss the second proposal to revise net energy metering on Thursday. They can adopt, reject, or tweak the measure, or a commissioner could introduce a different option. Any action requires a majority vote from the five-member panel. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Baja California prosecutors this week sentenced two cartel hitmen to 25 years for the murder of journalist Margarito Martinez. Martinez was one of two Tijuana journalists gunned down in January. KPBS reporter Gustavo Solis has details. 
Sonia de Anda attended every single court hearing in Tijuana for Margarito Martinez's murder trial. Prosecutors recounted some of the most gruesome details during the five-hour sentencing hearing on December 12th. She says that the cartel hitmen hunted down the 49-year-old photojournalist as if he were their prey. The two men stalked Martinez for two days before killing him the morning of January 12th. An assassin identified as El Uber shot Martinez three times in the back while another man, known as El Huesos, filmed the whole thing. Prosecutors say that they were each paid $1,000. Prosecutors also identified the alleged mastermind of the murder, a man known as Cabo Veinte. He is currently in jail for another murder and has not been formally charged in Martinez's death. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. A group of SDSU students gathered for a march on campus yesterday. KPBS reporter Melissa May spoke with the organizer. The San Diego District Attorney announced last week that no charges were going to be filed for the alleged sexual assault that took place in the college area over a year ago. We talked to Jade Smith, a second-year SDSU student and organizer of the Survivor's March on campus. It's only me doing this, and whether it's five people or if it's 20-plus people, our message is still the same. We want something to change. We want something to happen. We want consequences to be given, because if they are not, it enables this behavior. SDSU's investigation remains active, regardless of the DA's decision. The university continues to urge anyone with information to come forward and share it with the Title IX office. Melissa May, KPBS News. Coming up, a place to lounge around with cats. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A local nonprofit is hoping to bring holiday cheer to a group of seniors. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us more. This week, the Encinitas Community Resource Center is giving residents at the Cantebria Senior Homes a holiday gift. Rebecca Nesbaum is with the Community Resource Center. Now, what we really find is that the holidays are, bring a lot of stress to families and, and individuals, especially living in a low income, because they have the pressure of the holidays they want to be able to provide to their family, but oftentimes are not able to. And so we really want to alleviate that stress while also offering them a brighter holiday experience. 
She says the senior holiday gifts are just a portion of the annual traditions the center does. They also fill holiday backpacks for people experiencing homelessness and take families in need shopping. Into the new year, their headquarters will be expanding into the building they purchase next door. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. You're probably familiar with traditional animal shelters where pets wait for a forever home. But KPBS reporter John Carroll found a cat rescue in La Jolla that's nothing like the usual. On Torrey Pines Road in La Jolla, close to the end where it meets Girard, you find a lounge for people and cats. A place where felines destined for euthanasia are rescued. A lounge where love between people and cats blossoms. I worked with other shelters, rescues, veterinary hospitals, and wanted to just do things differently. That's the founder and executive director of the Cat Lounge and Rescue, Renee Shamlu. She's a practicing attorney, that's her nine to five job, but as much as Shamlu loves the law, her passion for cats compelled her to get involved in rescuing them and matching them up with people. She started in her apartment. And it was successful, but that's such a small scale, so I knew I needed something. So that's where the Cat Lounge came from. And yeah, this is it now. <laughs> The building that is now the Cat Lounge and Rescue had been vacant for some time, so it was affordable. It opened in 2019. About a year ago, Shamlu obtained the space next door. A wall was knocked down and a nursery was born. It is light and airy. Kittens are kept with their sisters and brothers in separate compartments. You don't want to swap or intermingle litters because one might have diseases and the other one doesn't. The compartments have clear walls. Shamlu, along with her staff and volunteers, aren't fans of cages. Anyone who works at a shelter will tell you, the kittens get adopted out much faster than their older counterparts. I've never had cats before, so it'll be, it'll be new. While we were recording this story, Rebecca Powell and her husband Kane came in to browse. But after a few minutes, love was in the air, and a new chapter of human-feline relations was about to begin. The two kittens, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. And they liked me, I think, and so uh, I guess they're going to come home with me. Over on the lounge side, the adult cats spend their days welcoming visitors, no doubt hoping for that right one. But it's not a bad place to wait. There are lots of toys and cat trees. Even a catwalk hangs from the ceiling. There is plenty to do. The Cat Lounge Rescue and Adoption Center is non-profit. They survive on donations and on admission. There is a fee of $20 for adults, 10 for kids and seniors. Shamlu says most visitors don't end up adopting. She says a lot of people just like spending time here. We have Wi-Fi, so if you want to bring your laptop and do work, I don't know how much work you'll get done. For those who adopt, the cost of admission is subtracted from the adoption fee, which ranges between $95 and $300, depending on the cat's age. But once you're a cat parent, the cat lounge doesn't abandon you. Once they do go home, we call after a few days to see how things are going. Um, we are always a resource for our adopters. And I think that's one of the best things about adopting from a rescue is you have our knowledge and our care behind it. That knowledge and care has had a pretty remarkable outcome. A chalkboard in the corner of the lounge spells it out. 
Once the pandemic hit, they shot from 223 adoptions in 2019 to nearly 1,700 the following year. The total to date is 4,573 cats. Connections made, homes found, lives saved. John Carroll, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.